Good morning, Lake Church. You guys stand up with us. Feel free to come to the front or stay in your seat. We're just going to glorify the Lord this morning.
and stories of what It's who I am. 
on repeating that. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I'm confident that uh, you guys have recognized that God is endeavoring to pour out revelation of himself in that he desires for us to see that he is good amen god is revealing himself in such a way that it's causing hearts to come together it's causing the body to unite it's causing exploits to come to pass it's causing people to come to know his goodness hallelujah praise the lord i was meditating the other day just on the goodness of god and it and it just started i just started thinking about you know the creator, the creator, the infinite one, the star breather, the one that can measure the universe in the span of his hands, the one that spoke everything into being, the creator, the almighty God, the one true and living God, is so good that he has gone to infinite lengths so that we can know him have you thought about that before the creator your creator the one that made you the one desires so much for you to know him that he's gone to unimaginable lengths. It will take eternity for us to wrap our minds around what God did so that we could know him. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been through some half-God-really-said moments recently. Amen? But I'm telling you, God has proven himself faithful. I'm confident I will see the goodness of the Lord because I have seen it and I will continue to see it because God is good and He's gone to infinite lengths so that I can know how good He is. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! God, You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. I can confidently exclaim and proclaim victory! Hallelujah. One of his redemptive names is the banner of victory. Hallelujah. You walk into any battle, anything that opposes you, you can wave the name of the Lord. My banner of victory. You're already a defeated foe because my God, 
My God, my God is my banner of victory. Hallelujah. So no matter what it is that has come against you, you wave the banner of victory. God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, everything in between, God Almighty. Hallelujah. 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 I think that our breakthrough lies on the other side of a shout of victory. Because like I said, I've been through some moments, some half-God-really-said moments, and I think that there are people that are still in the middle of a half-God-said moment. And I'm telling you, you know how the walls of Jericho fell? They shouted, they shouted, they shouted, they shouted. There was a period of time of preparation, not for God to get ready, but for them to receive from the Lord. And when it was time, they shouted. They rose up a voice of victory, and the walls came down. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to shout some walls down. Amen. Whatever it is, whatever it is that is facing you like a roaring lion seeking to devour you, it cannot have you. Who, 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 who can I be afraid of? Who, who will I be afraid of? I have the Almighty. Who? Praise God. I'm going to count to three. And I want you to take that issue. And lay it at God's feet. Submit it to Him. Submit it to His Lordship. Claim it as already won. Claim victory. We stand from a place of victory. And we're going to shout. We're going to shout. We're going to shout. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know how I can guarantee breakthrough? Because it's not my reputation. It's God. Amen. I can promise you, I can promise you, I can promise you. Amen. Are you guys ready to take me up on that? I'm ready to shout. I don't know about you guys. I'm ready to shout. Hallelujah. Amen. One, don't leave me hanging. We're going to do this. Two, I'm talking about come, let it come up from the toes. You ready? You ready? Two and a half. Y'all ain't ready. Two and three quarter. Here we go. One, two, three. Hallelujah! in the name of Jesus Christ. I proclaim bondage falling off in the name of Jesus Christ. I proclaim revelation into the goodness of God in the name of Jesus Christ. I proclaim those that are far from God returning to Him in the name of Jesus Christ. I proclaim recovery, recovery, recovery in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory. 
Glory. Glory. Glory to God. Glory. out and take whatever you need from the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a healing anointing in the house. Take what you need physically. There's breakthrough financially in the house. There's anointing to break off poverty in Jesus' name. It's here. It's here. It's here. Reach out and grab whatever it is you need. Restoration in, 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 in uh, relationship. It's healing is in the house. Amen. Reach out and take that. That's how good God is. That's how good God is. The price is paid. It belongs to you. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Joy, joy in this house. Hallelujah. Peace, peace, confidence, assurance, boldness, courage, creativity, imagination. Hallelujah. We. Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. If you watch this online, it's for you, too. You don't have to be here. It's for you, too. If you're watching, reach out and grab that. Whatever you need from the Lord. He's here to say, yes, we add our amen. It's a done thing. It's done. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a ministry gift inside of you. And I'm not talking about you personally, but it's what you're about to give birth to. There's a ministry gift inside of you. With the power gifts, the power gifts, miracles and healings. You already know that, huh? <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Is God good to you? I said, is God good to you? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Turn around, greet your neighbor, say, God is good. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just want to take a moment to welcome everybody that's watching online. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So as we take our seat, we're going to continue in the attitude of worship. We're going to give to the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. There's one hallelujah. I'll extend some grace. You guys are conversating a little bit.
I said we're going to take some time to give to the Lord this morning. Praise God. Praise God. So first of all, uh, there's several ways to be able to give here at Lake Church. Uh, if you're here in person joining us in the seat backs in front of you, there should be an envelope there if you'd like to give by cash or check. Make sure that you fill that out so we can have an accurate record of your giving. And to allocate funds in any direction that you see fit to give that you've been moved upon by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Also, there'll be buckets you can pass, uh, just physical cash and change if you'd like to do it that way. Um, if you're watching online, you can go to our website, lake-church.com, and follow the giving tab there, and it'll lead you to be able to give safely and securely that way, and uh, also give you the opportunity to allocate uh, any offerings that you want to give in any area. Amen. Also, and then last but not least, there's text to give. There'll be a number on the screen. Just text GIVE to that number. If you need help with uh, the procedure on that, there are also instructions in the seat back in front of you. But it really is super easy, super easy. Just text GIVE to that number, and it will get you all set up. Amen. So this morning, I don't really have any kind of anything to teach or to anything other than that, just that I have personally been meditating on just how faithful God's been to be, how faithful God has been to my family, how grateful I am that God has preordained, seen ahead and made provision that my family be here at Lake Church. We've been here eight years, but it's been such a tremendous blessing to us. I can't see myself going anywhere else as far as being under a covering, being part of a church home. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful to God that we are here at Lake Church. I love working side by side with all the ministry gifts that are here. I'm so grateful to all the relationships that I've made in these years with the, the people that we know personally in this in this body, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just grateful to God for Lake Church. And I'm grateful for people that are willing to give, that are willing to sow, that are willing to not only just give tithes, which is expected of us, but above and voluntarily, sacrificially give of their material needs, of their material sources, and, and give of themselves to this house because I'm a life that has changed. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to all of you for all of your giving. I'm, my family is grateful to you. The staff here, we're all grateful. All the, all the lives that we won't even know the full scope of what has been accomplished by God through this ministry around the world ripples through eternity. They'll, you know, we're going to meet so many people in heaven that will be grateful that you guys gave at Lake Church. Amen. It's like, Jesse, that seems kind of out there, but <laughs> it's infinite. We're talking about infinity and eternity here. Amen. And so I just wanted to tell you guys that. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful on behalf of my family. We're so grateful that you guys continually and faithfully sow into this ministry. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you that aren't with us physically but watching online, thank you so much for sowing into Lake Church. Amen. I could, I could go on and on. I'm, I'm just grateful. Hopefully you get the idea. Thank you. Amen. So if you're giving uh, uh, physically here in person or even if you're not, you already gave on text to give, we're going to lift up this offering symbolically and we're going to pray over it together. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for Lake Church. Thank you for the opportunity to sow seed in faith. Thank you for so much fruit that has come forth. 
Thank you, Lord, that I am a life that has changed. My family has been changed. This region has been changed. The whole community has changed. Worldwide, you're bringing about change. Thank you, Father. It's all a result of your goodness. And here at Lake Church, we, we seize that opportunity in great faith and joy to be a part of what you're doing around the world, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to continue this series on good that Pastor started. He is ministering this morning in Sand Springs at Church That Matters. So uh, you guys got me today. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so um, excited to get to share on the goodness of God. I was just thinking about this, you know. Um, it's easy for me to proclaim God's goodness this morning. He's been so good to me. You know, he's been so good to me. And not just when I started my, my uh, following Jesus uh, back in 2003, but just last week, I got to baptize my youngest daughter. <laughs> so, man, I tell you. It's easy for me to proclaim the goodness of God this morning and, and his faithfulness. And so I just want to take a minute to just give thanks. You know, the Bible says we enter his, his gates with thanksgiving and we enter into his courts with praise. And we're here this morning to encounter God, Amen. the living God. You're not here to hear Kevin Barnell talk, you know. You're here to encounter God. And we're going to encounter him uh, by the presence of the Holy Spirit and through his living word this morning. So let's just stand all together and come into unity as we just give thanks to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness this morning. We thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Father God, we thank you for Jesus and his finished work. We thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans, but you sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us forever. And we thank you for that gift, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Father God. We come in expectation this morning, Father God, of your goodness being manifested in this place. And we praise you, Father, for who you are, because you are good. We thank you, Father. We praise you this morning. We praise you for your presence. We praise you for you have done great things. We praise you because you're great and greatly to be praised. We praise you just because of who you are, the living God. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Father God. And we come into the holiest place right now. By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, with boldness, Father God, to speak freely, Father God, in your presence this morning. Oh, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak this morning to us. And not so much what I say, but what the Holy Spirit has to say in your heart this morning about what I say. We give you glory, Father God. I thank you. I speak a blessing over this people. For you've already commanded your blessing upon them, Father God. You have already blessed them with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We thank you, Lord. I speak healing over them. Oh, because you have already healed everyone by the stripes of Jesus. Oh, I just speak it that they might receive it. That they might believe it and receive it this morning, Father God. And thank you that it's your will that they do, Father, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. You can be seated. Hallelujah. When Pastor started this uh, series, he said the Lord had spoke to him to uh, proclaim the goodness of God to the weary. Proclaim the goodness of God to the weary. I'm reminded of Psalm chapter 27 and verse 13 that says, I would have fainted unless I had believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I would have, in another translation it says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I think, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, I hate to even mention what the devil's been doing, but I know that people have struggled over the last couple of years with all the things that are going on in the world, and many been tempted to lose heart. And all the things that the devil's doing in the world today is to get your focus off of what God has already done in Jesus Christ so that you might despair of seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living and lose heart. Oh, man. And so it's so, uh, it's so uh, proper that we should put our focus back on his goodness. Because it's an expectation of the goodness of God that causes your, you to not lose heart. For you to not stumble. For you to not falter in your faith toward God. Because listen, I'm going to declare to you as the psalmist declared. He said, you are good and you do good. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, you are good and do good. You know, I grew up in church. As a, young, as a young person, and I heard people, they used to say this all the time. I'm sure you all have heard this before, but someone would get up and say, God is good, and they'd say, all the time. And then someone would say, all the time, God is good. But when I looked at their life, I wondered, do they really believe what they're saying? <laughs> Speaking out of both sides of your mouth, divided heart, a man unstable in all of his ways not receive anything from the Lord. Man. You know, the reason why many are unstable in their understanding that God is good is because we've had too much emotional Christianity and not enough cerebral Christianity. Too many people base their uh, understanding of God's goodness on circumstances and feelings rather than what the Word of God declares. They judge God's goodness by what's going on in the world or what's going on in their personal life. And they're like a ship tossed about on the sea by the waves. That when trials come, and listen, trials are coming. <laughs> Many are the affliction of the righteous. But the Lord will deliver them from everyone. Everyone. Sometimes there's, you know, it takes faith and patience navigating through a storm, but you're coming out on the other side. <laughs> I said, you're coming out on the other side. You cannot judge God's nature and character on your circumstances. There's too much emotional Christianity and not enough cerebral Christianity. That's why we exhort you 
constantly to get in the Word of God because the only way that you can truly know God, the only way you can truly know His nature and His character is not by circumstances, but by the Word of the living God, which is forever settled in heaven. Man. But too many people, they ignore this and they just go by what other people have said and they judge their circumstances and the way that they feel and they're just tossed to and fro. But I'm telling you that uh, God, as a matter of fact, God is good. In fact, he's the only standard of good that we have in the world. Man, Jesus himself, when the rich young ruler came up and, and called him good teacher, he said, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good, that is God. There's only one standard of good that we have in the world today, you know. We, we, we see things so relative that we see, oh, this is a good person. You know, people say to themselves, I'm a good person. Listen, don't fool yourself. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to go with what Jesus said. I'm not a good person. I, I know there's people who say, well, I think you're a good person. No, I'll tell you, I know me better than you know me. <laughs> There's only one that's good, and that's God. And we have got to get the goodness of God settled in our life based on the Word. Because like I said, many will say that God is good, but when it comes down to actually believing it, they wrestle with the goodness of God. And I'm telling you that your perception doesn't change God. Your perception of God doesn't change God, but it will change how you experience God. I'm just going to kind of let that sit there for a minute. Your perception of God does not change who He is, but it will change how you experience Him. Didn't Jesus say this? He said, so be it, so be it unto you according to your faith. You're going to experience God. The, you're going to uh, experience God the way you perceive Him to be. This seems so simple, you know. When you look at that title, "Good," it's so simple. But listen, it is so profound. The goodness of God is so profound, but yet so simple. And the reason that we struggle with it, you know, it's, uh, it's not a surprise that we struggle with this because we've had a lot of help misunderstanding it. <laughs> we've had a lot of help misunderstanding the simple fact that God is good. Listen, as a matter of fact, God is good. The psalmist, as I said a minute ago, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, declared, you are good and you do good. Very simple, yet so profound. But we've had a lot of help getting it twisted. You know, for one thing, the enemy wants to, to uh, disparage the nature and character of God and get you to believe that God is not good. Man, Pastor taught a whole series on Wednesday night called Smear Campaign. There's been a concerted, strategic effort by the kingdom of darkness to cast God in such a light that you'll hear that God is good, but you won't really believe that he's good because you actually think that he might do something to you that's not good. 
And so the, the works of the enemy have been, have been cast upon God as if he's the one who's bringing trouble to your life. As if he's the one that's bringing sickness to your life. As if he's the one who's bringing all of these destructive things and tragedies into your life. We've had a lot of help misunderstanding it. And the devil is right there to jump on that and say, yeah, that's right. God's not as good as you think he is. You know, not just the devil, but in the world. You know, even the insurance companies call natural disasters acts of God. Man, that makes me mad. That makes me mad that they would attribute, you know, disasters that take people's lives, that take the righteous along with the wicked, and they call it an act of God as if God would destroy somebody's life. Man, but we hear that stuff. And even worse than that, we've had preachers. Uh-oh. <laughs> we've had preachers stand in pulpits and disparage the nature and the character of God. But let me say this. I believe many well-meaning believers who just not understood have cast doubt upon the true nature and the character of God. You know, saying things like, well, God took your loved one because he needed another flower in heaven. It's not true. It's not true. You know, I, my, um, my wife, you know, back when she was about 20 or 21 years old, she was afflicted with a very serious illness. She was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and she was so, uh, she was so sick with it and so unable to really take care of herself in that sickness that they actually talked about putting her in a nursing home. You know, and they told her, you're going to be in a wheelchair, you know. Um, and she had this idea. It came from church. Man, I'll tell you. It came from religion is what I should say. But she was talking to her mom, and she was crying on her front porch one time, and she said, Mom, I just don't understand why is God doing this to me? And her mom said, Rhonda, God's not doing to you. This is, the this is the work of the devil. And I'm telling you, that one statement that she made turned the tide. Now, she didn't get her complete healing then, but it caused her to quit thinking that this was coming from God and realize that it was coming from the enemy. Because listen, as pastors told us before, if you think God's your problem, you don't have an answer. Listen, if you think God is the one afflicting you, then it's going to cause separation. It's not going to allow you to be able to draw close and have communion and fellowship and intimacy with, you, with God. And so that helped to turn the tide in our life. But as I say, we've had a lot of help misunderstanding this. We've taken what people have said, being ignorant of what the Word has said, and taken it simply by faith and what it actually, just the plain understanding and meaning of the Word of God. And I know that in the Old Testament, there are things that cause people to think uh, that God is the, the uh, source of destruction in people's lives. But I'm here to tell you, you know, Paul said to Timothy, he said that you have to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing... The word of truth. 
And that was a different age and a different dispensation. And God was dealing with those people in a certain way during a certain time. But I'm here to tell you, we live in a new age. We live under a new covenant. We live in a new time. We live in a new dispensation. <laughs> that was only a partial revelation of God. But we live now in the church age with a full revelation of who God truly is. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I got to take this step by step. So I'm trying to kind of just ease into this. But the problem with this kind of understanding is it gives opportunity to the devil. When we think, when we aren't sure about God being good, it gives the devil a, an opening. It gives him an opportunity to come in and make us think things about God that chip away at our trust, that chip away at our rest, that chip away at our faith in God. And listen, without your faith, the Bible says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The devil is not after your body, he's not after your children, he's not after your home, he's not after your car, he's after your faith. He's after your faith. If we believe these things, if we allow God's character and nature to be disparaged in our understanding, it hinders our faith. It hinders our ability to trust him. That's what faith is. Faith is the ability to put your full trust on God regardless of what the circumstances look like. Regardless of what the circumstances look at. And faith is a rest. Do you know how you know when you're in faith? You're resting, not wrestling. <laughs> now, sometimes you got to wrestle to get in the place of rest. The Bible says labor to rest. You have to wrestle in your mind with the truth to get into rest. But how do you know when you've made it to faith, a place where you're actually trusting in God? You get, you, your mind and your soul come into his rest. See, if we are not at rest, the enemy is able to take opportunity against us and cast doubt. Cast unbelief into our thinking to where we're not able to put our full trust in God. And trials are going to come. Here, here's, the, here's, the biggest, uh, here's the biggest deception in that. Some people think actually that God is causing your trouble. And there are, there are ministers that will tell you that God is doing this to you to teach you a lesson. And so you've done something. And you need to learn a lesson, so God's teaching you. This is how he's doing it. He's putting sickness on you. I know we don't believe that here, but I'm just making a statement that, that there are people who will tell you that. And those kind of things can get in your thinking. Do you know they blame, there are people that blame God for things that if, if, you were, if anyone was able to prove that you did those things to your kids, they'd throw you in prison, never let you out again. <laughs> but yet people will stand and say, God's doing this. If any court in the land could, could uh, prove that you put cancer on your child, they'd lock you up and throw away the key. But yet people will say, God put cancer on somebody. Not true. It's absolutely, not, absolutely a lie and a deception of the enemy. Now here's the second, not as quite as egregious, but they'll say that uh, God is allowing it. 
As if he's stamped his approval on this and that the devil has to get permission from God and then God will go ahead and stamp his approval on it and let the devil bring something. That's a lie as well. God is not, I mean, the devil's not God's messenger boy. God and the devil are not in cahoots. They're not working together. Come on. Somebody's going to get free this morning. I just heard the Holy Spirit say that. <laughs> you know, sometimes people think they got to come up and get hands laid on them to get free. But I'm telling you, Jesus said, if you'll continue in my word, you'll know the truth. And the truth, you know, will make you free. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. That's one of the problems, too. People are looking to men because they don't believe they have the ability to receive from God. That's because the devil is making you believe that God's goodness is contingent upon your goodness. Oh, man. I got so many things going on in my heart right now. But they'll say that God is allowing it as if he stamped his approval. No, God has given mankind dominion on the earth and he's given us authority in Jesus' name and he's given us his word, which is his will, so we can know what God desires for our life. And we have opposition from the devil, but we have all we need to stand up and take authority over his lies and cause things to change, cause circumstances to bow, cause sickness to leave, cause demons to flee. Hmm. Glory to God. And even a lesser is that God's just indifferent about it. He really don't care. You know, just kind of leaving, leaving you out there to dry, hanging you out there to dry. I'm telling you, those are all lies. That you need to get it worked out in your mind to understand that the goodness of God is inherent in him. That's what he is. Goodness is the essence of God's nature and his character. And he is the only one who is good. Jesus himself said so. Turn to Exodus chapter 33. thought this was uh, very interesting. God must really be wanting us to learn something in this passage of Scripture because pastor told me he was going to be gone. This is the first passage that came to my mind. And then on Wednesday night, he got up here to preach uh, on the secret place, and he turned to this scripture, and I thought, now get off of that and onto something else. Because, <laughs> 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 I thought, man, don't be using all my stuff before I get up there. <laughs> and then Friday night, I was, I was here during Wonder Woman, and then Pastor Karen gets up and turns to this scripture. I thought, my goodness, can y'all get off of it? <laughs> It just shows me that the Lord is trying to say something. And man, how, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit is speaking and we need to take heed that there's something here that we need to get a hold of. You know why? Because God wants us to settle these issues so we can stand up and be who he created us to be. So we can be who he created us to be. Amen. So in Exodus 33... We're going to start reading in verse 18. This is Moses talking to God. And you know, just for a little bit of background, God had led uh, the Israelites to Mount Sinai and he had given the law. And remember, God said, you better go check out your people, Moses. They're already down there uh, rebelling. And so they'd made a golden calf. They were worshiping this, worshiping this idol and everything. 
And so uh, earlier in the chapter, Moses, uh, God tells Moses, look, I'm, I'm leading you into the promised land, and you're going to drive out. And he named off all these tribes, which were clans of giants, actually. Um, so he was leading them into a fight that in the natural, it looked like there's no way they could win. And so God was talking to Moses, and he said, these people are stiff-necked people, so I'm not going with you. He said, because if I go with you, they're all going to die <laughs> because of their rebelliousness. My glory uh, is going is to overcome them. And so uh, Moses repents, and he is seeking the Lord. And actually, all the people repented as well. It said they took off their ornaments. They uh, humbled themselves. And Moses was seeking the Lord. So Moses is talking to God, and he says, uh, if you're not going, <laughs> I ain't going. <laughs> And God had been calling the people Moses' people. And Moses said, these are your people. You're the one who brought these people out. And I am not going alone. If you don't go, we're not going. I don't care how good the land is. I'm not going without you. Man, there's a good lesson for us right there. The blessings of God mean nothing if we don't have the presence of God. They're saying, I don't care about the milk and honey, the land flowing with milk and honey and all of the fruit of the land. If you're not going with us, we're not getting up from here and going in. And so because of their repentance, God said, okay, I'm going to go with you. But Moses wanted to know. See, here's the key to everything, to know the Lord. You know, many are, are satisfied uh, with the blessings of God without the God of the blessings. But listen, the greatest riches are to know Him. Jesus said this. He said, this is eternal life that you know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom He sent. Listen, if you have Him, you have everything. If you know Him, you're rich. And because Jesus made it possible for you to know him, you've won the lottery, man. You've, won, you've got it all. We just got to get things in their proper perspective. But Moses, talking to God, he says this. He says, please show me your glory. The word glory is the word kabod, and it, it, in, it means weighty. It really just means show me the true essence of who you are. Moses said, I want to know who you are. If I'm going to go on this journey with you and we're going to face the giants and we're going to drive out nations, I want to know who I'm going with. I want to know who you are. He said, I want to know your true nature and character. I tell you what, I would say there are a lot of believers who have an idea of God's true nature, but they don't really know. He says, show me your glory. And here's what God said. He said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you and will pro proclaim before you my name, the Lord. So my first point that I want you to see this morning is that God's glory lies in his goodness. The glory of God lies in his goodness in fact, the glory of God is his goodness. The glory, uh, the glory of God is the manifestation of who God is. And I'm telling you, when he shows up, he doesn't show up in, 
He don't show up in sickness and disease and addiction and disorder and depression and discouragement and fear and anxiety and worry and pandemics. And he don't show up in, in uh, natural disasters and all those things. When God shows up, healing shows up. When God shows up, joy shows up. When God shows up, peace shows up. When God shows up, prosperity shows up. When God shows up, hope shows up. When God shows up, faith shows up. I'm telling you, when God shows up, good things begin to happen. It's time we get our expectation a little higher. God's going to show up according to the level of our expectation of his goodness. Man, we've been lied to. We've believed a lie. But his goodness, God's glory, lies in his goodness. Man, we got to get that settled. He is good. He says this right after that. He says, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Another thing about the goodness of God is God links his goodness to his sovereignty. His goodness is highlighted by who he's good to. Oh, man. We've had a wrong idea of who God's good to. We think he's good to good people. (laughs) I already told you, though, there's none that's good. His goodness is... See, most people are only good to people who are good to them. And if we believe that about God, we have made a God in our image rather than allowing God to transform us into his image. We think God's only good to those who are good. You know, there's a... I heard somebody say one time, well, God said that uh, in the Bible it says that uh, God helps those who help themselves. God didn't say that. Benjamin Franklin said that. (laughs) But yet people take that like it's scripture. Oh, God helps those who help themselves. Listen, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's nobody who has the ability to help themselves. Listen, that's your problem. Is you're trusting in your ability to help yourself. And if your trust is in your ability to work things out, then your trust is not in his ability to deliver you out of your problems. Mm. He said, I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. God ties his goodness to his sovereignty. Now listen, I don't want you to get the wrong idea when I start talking about sovereignty because I'm not talking about the extreme abuse of the term sovereign that goes on in certain parts of Christianity where they say that God chooses who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. That's an absolute lie. God chose every man to be saved in Jesus Christ. He wills that none be lost. His, his word says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that he wills that, that none would perish, but that all men would come to repentance. I'm not talking about the sovereignty that says that God controls or allows every situation. That's false as well. You know, the Bible says that you can lengthen or shorten your life by your choices. Yet there are people who say, well, you have an appointed time to die. God's put an appointed time on your calendar when you're going to go. 
That's not true. The Bible says, uh, honor your father and mother that will go with you, well with you and you live long in the land. That tells me I can lengthen my life. It's not true. But we believe these things. And it hinders our relationship with God and it actually gives the enemy opportunity against us. God's sovereignty is who is his sovereign. The, the word sovereignty just means that he is above all in rank and in power. And I'm telling you, he is. He is. But in his sovereignty, he's chosen to operate in certain ways. And so that's what I want us to see as we move along in here. Who God is good to highlights how much better he is than any person you've ever met on earth. Amen. The revelation of his goodness is magnified in our understanding when we see who God is good to. You know, he chose Abram. You know, we've, we've talked about the Tower of Babel and how that those nations or all the people had chosen to rebel against God in the building of a city and a tower and that God actually uh, disinherited all the nations of the world. He cut ties with them. He said, if you want to worship these false gods, then I'm just going to let you have what you want. And he turned them over to the watchers. And uh, God chose Abram. Most people think, well, God chose Abram because he's a, a holy man. Did you know in Joshua chapter 24, it says that Abraham and his father served other gods? Man. Abram wasn't chosen because of his goodness. Mm. Abram wasn't chosen because of his goodness. Abram was chosen because of God's foreknowledge that he understood that Abram had a heart that would follow after. Not that he would be perfect. Because listen, Abram made many mistakes along the way. In fact, Jerry and I were talking about this morning. The very first thing God told him is leave your family and he took them with him. <laughs> so <laughs> he started off on the wrong foot. Let me tell you this. It's not how you start. It's how you finish that really matters. Amen. So let's turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. I want to show you this real quick. Man, time is ticking away. Turn quick. <laughs> I just wanted you to see this real quick. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 7. Listen to, listen to why God chose Israel. He says, you're a holy people. You're a people holy to the Lord. Holy just means set apart. You're a people that God has set apart for himself. The Lord, your God, chose you to be a people uh, for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you're the fewest of all the peoples. He didn't look at them and go, man, that's a good-looking bunch right there. That's where you ought to rejoice. <laughs> yeah, in 1 Corinthians it says that not many, not many noble, not many wise, 
uh, you know, all these things uh, are chosen or called by God. <laughs> Whenever I found out what God requires, I found out I was overqualified. <laughs> That's not how he chooses. See, so many people think that God looks, that, that God sees something in us and he responds to it. No, it's the other way around. God reveals himself and we respond to that, to the revelation of who he is. Flip over to chapter 9, verse 6. Moses says to the Israelites again, he says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stubborn people. <laughs> and everybody say amen on that one. <laughs> so he's saying that God wasn't even good to you because of your righteousness. Because you're a stubborn people. He knows what's really in your heart. <laughs> amen. So God wasn't uh, responding to them. He was revealing himself to a people who would believe and respond to him. That is so good. Turn back to Exodus 33. You got to get this figured out. Because so many people are doing the dance. So many people are trying to perform and present it to God in hopes that he'll respond and give them something. That they'll earn something. That they'll get a little brownie point here and there. And God will answer a prayer for them or something because they've done something great. I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Exodus 33, uh, drop down to verse 21. It said, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. Boy, I tell you, the rock, this is talking about a, pre uh, a, a shadow, a type of Jesus Christ. God says, There's a place beside me where you can stand. Oh, my goodness. Where you can stand on the rock. And it's that place that you're going to be able to see, oh my goodness, who he truly is. That you'll be able to see his glory. That as his goodness passes by, you'll be able to catch a glimpse of his goodness. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? They said, some of them said Elijah. Some of them said John the Baptist returned from the dead. He said, who do you say I am? He, Peter piped up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus got excited. He said flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven and you shall be called Peter and upon this rock I will build my church upon the rock of the revelation of who God truly is in his glory and his goodness. I'll begin to build a people who are called by my name who will bear my glory who will shine my light to the nations. Mm. Not on our goodness, but on a revelation of the goodness of God. There's a place beside God where the rock is. And we have been given the ability to stand upon that rock. Listen, the revelation of God's glory or his goodness, this is my point number two, Mark, if you've got that up there, is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Revealed in the person. Look at John chapter 1. 
See, they didn't have Jesus then. And what, what, um, what God did for Moses is he proclaimed all, Jesse mentioned earlier, all the covenant names of God. You know, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shammah, all the different covenant names of God. He proclaimed them. He was proclaiming different aspects of his goodness. Oh, man. They just had the names. They had the revelations of the nature and the character of God in his names. But we have the revelation of Jesus who is the living embodiment, the fulfillment of every one of those names. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word word is logos. I like the way the Passion puts it. It calls it the living expression. Because in verse 14, drop down to 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Get this, and we have seen His glory. Man, I tell you... I want to run off this platform. <laughs> and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness or of his fullness we have all received. The fullness of God is, is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. For the law was given through Moses. Man, this is going back to this point. The law was given to Moses, and there was a glory acquainted with the law. But listen, it was a passing glory. It wasn't the full glory. It wasn't the full revelation of the essence of God's goodness. It was passing. What did he tell Moses? He said, I'm going to walk by, and then I'll take my hand off. You'll see the backside. You'll, be, you'll see my passing glory. You'll just see remnants of it. But you won't, but I'm telling you, when Jesus came, the full glory and goodness of God was revealed in a human body for all to see. I'm telling you, I never saw Jesus put sickness on anybody. I never saw Jesus put depression or discouragement or disorders or addiction or fear or... Hallelujah. I said to myself, I said, I'm not going to get excited this morning because I just want to teach. I'm just going to teach this. I heard you laughing, Jeff. Well, the law was given through Moses. The law didn't give us the revelation of God's righteousness. The law gave us the revelation of man's sinfulness. Man. It says, uh, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. He has revealed him to us. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus he is the one who has made him known to us. Man. Colossians 1.15 says he is the image of the invisible God. I'm going to say this to you. Any idea that you have about God, 
that is not seen displayed in the life of Jesus is a misconception. Any idea that you have about God that isn't displayed in the life of Jesus is a misconception about God. He's the full revelation of God in a human body. He showed up and made him known to us. He revealed the Father to us through his life. Hebrews chapter 1, I think they have that up there. We'll flip over to that real quick and just tie this up. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's talking about in the Old Testament times. There are many ages in the Old Testament. God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. We need to let him speak. What I want you to see here is that God has unveiled the revelation of himself progressively. So in the Old Testament, the revelation they had of God wasn't incorrect. It was incomplete. My goodness. And so if you have your revelation and understanding of who God is from the Old Testament, you just have an incomplete understanding of who he is. He says, but he's less he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. You know what the radiance is? If you take the sun, the rays from the sun are the radiance of the sun. Jesus is what gives us the ability to see who God really is. And it says, and he is. Uh, the exact imprint of his nature. In the New American Standard, it says he is the exact representation of the nature of God. Man, man, that's way, that's good stuff right there. So the Old Testament was not incorrect. It was just incomplete. The Old Testament was pointing, it was showing us our sinfulness, pointing to the answer to our sin in all the types and shadows. But weren't, they weren't made manifest yet, but it was telling us there was something better coming. And Jesus came on the scene. We got the full revelation of the nature, the character, and the glory of God. So that we would no longer flounder in misconceptions about who God is, but we could know that we could see God act out his nature and care in the flesh. Hallelujah. Turn to, uh, back to Exodus 33. And he says in verse 22, And while my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock. Man. That word cleft, it means an opening or a pierced place in rock. So no longer is this the revelation of Jesus' life. But this is a revelation of Jesus in his crucifixion. He was pierced. God said, I'm going to put you in him. Oh, my goodness. The third point is that the revelation, God, the glory or the goodness of God is realized in the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
Oh, man. The cleft of the rock. You know, there's an old hymn called Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. It's in him is the fullness of revelation of the goodness of God. In him, the goodness and the glory of God is realized in our life. But because it was only when he was pierced and his body opened the way into the presence of God for us freely that we could be partakers. Man, not just, <laughs> not just spectators of the glory of God, but partakers of the very nature and glory of God. In his finished work, when he was pierced, a place was opened up in the Son of God where we could come into him and he into us. And we can not just spectate, but partake of the very glory and the goodness of God. See, in the crucifixion, here's the thing that we need to see. This harmonizes the Old Testament and the New. In the crucifixion, we see the, the wrath of God brought into its proper context. At the crucifixion, we see the goodness and the severity of God brought into proper context. Because we saw the severity of God in the Old Testament. But that's not his true essence. Oh, man. At the crucifixion, we see who God's truly good to. We see the goodness and the wrath of God displayed in that God's wrath towards sin is revealed at the cross. But God's love for mankind caused him to give a substitute to take the wrath of God in our place so that he could be good to those who don't deserve his goodness. Man, that to me, that just magnifies the goodness of God. When I realize who he's good to, you know who he's good to? Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. He's not good to good. <laughs> Why? There are no good. The, you know the Bible says that? It says there are none who are good. No, not one. <laughs> so if you're thinking you're the one, <laughs> think again. <laughs> there is none who are good. No, not one. You know, a lot of people, I think one part of their problem is they don't realize how, good, how bad they are. <laughs> How bad, my, how bad I was in my life before Jesus was actually an advantage to me. Because, <laughs> man, when I came to Jesus, <laughs> I had already proven to myself how, how there was no goodness in me. <laughs> I'd already proven to myself how bad of a failure I was. Oh, man, I threw myself on the mercy of God. I remember I said, this, is, this was my prayer in Creek Jail. God, if you can do anything with this mess, here you go. <laughs> I ain't got nothing. As <laughs> long as you ain't looking to me for any help, then here you go. I tell you what, you better be the miracle-working God if you're going to do something with this. Because <laughs> I've been working on him for a while, and I didn't get nowhere. 
<laughs> you know, in fact, man, I was so bad that when I called my dad from jail, I told him, I said, Dad, I got saved. He said, boy, I hope so. <laughs> I wasn't even mad about it. <laughs> I wasn't even mad about it. I thought, well, that's true. Truth hurts. <laughs> but truth will set you free, too. And I tell you what, we got to quit. We, one of the big revelations for me was to realize that my, that my problems weren't somebody else's fault. <laughs> That's a good position to be in. I got the revelation. All of a sudden, I thought, man, I just figured out all of the issues in my life, they're my fault. <laughs> I'm the one been driving this car. I'm the one been making all these choices. I'm the one been making these decisions. I even had, you know, blamed God for my life and all the troubles and all the problems. How stupid. But I heard gospel and I found out. Do you know what, the gospel, what gospel means? Good news. Why? It's the, <laughs> it's the news of God's goodness put on display at the cross when God caused his wrath to fall on Jesus so he could put his goodness on you. I was going to read the Bible, wasn't I? Romans chapter 5. It says in verse 6, while we were still weak. You know what that, some translations say helpless. You know what that means? We were unable to do anything about our situation. That's what it means. You got to come to that point. You got to realize, hey, I am unable to contribute. Oh, man. It says, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Man, I heard that. I said, man, I qualify. He didn't die for godly people. He died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. You're just saying that someone loves someone, they may give their life for someone. It's happened before. He says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means he, didn't, he wasn't good to us because of any goodness that was in us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we were helpless ungodly, sinners, and enemies of God. And in that condition, God displayed the greatest revelation of his goodness to us in that he made his son a substitute for us to take his wrath in our place. You know, there's a story in Genesis chapter 48 where Joseph brings his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, to be blessed by, their father, by his father Jacob. And uh, Jacob puts his sons up to where the oldest one would get the right hand of his father and the youngest would get the left because the blessing went to the firstborn. And uh, when he went to bless him, Jacob crossed his hands. And Joseph said, no, father, not like that. And he said, I know what I'm doing. That's a picture of what happened at the cross. Jesus is the firstborn. He deserved the blessing, but the Father crossed his hands, and the blessing that should have gone to Jesus went to us. And our lot went to him. 
God is good to the undeserving. God is good to the undeserving. And most people think, well, yeah, but once you become a Christian, now you better walk the line. We just read there, it says much more now. Most people present it to, to like this. God will be merciful to the sinner because they don't know any better. But as soon as you become a Christian, you better start towing the mark. You better start walking the line. You better start getting it all together. I'm telling you, much more. Much more, having been reconciled by the death of his son, shall we be saved by his life. What a trick of the devil to flip that and cause you to start thinking that God's goodness is toward you because you're so good. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's the problem. We're putting our faith and our trust in our own goodness. And when you do that, you are no longer trusting in Jesus' goodness. And you know what you get? You get what you deserve. I'll just tell you what. I may not be very sharp. I may not be very sharp. But I know this. I don't want what I deserve. I want what Jesus deserves. (laughs) I know that. I don't want what I deserve. I'll just go ahead and take what Jesus deserves. I'll just go ahead and take what Jesus purchased for me. I'll just go ahead and take the goodness of God given to me as a free gift. I know I don't deserve it. But I know it's not because I'm good. It's because he's so good. Hallelujah. That's that's the problem. That's why a lot of us aren't seeing what Jesus provided. He's already done it. We think we're trying to get here. Here's something you got to get, and I'll close. Man, I'm over. Here's something you got to get. You got to realize that God already, through Jesus, God already provided, pronounced, and released a blessing on you in Him. God is not judging your situation on a case-by-case basis. When you're having a problem and you pray to God, He's not going, okay, well, let me, let me review what's been going on in your life. No, we say in the name of Jesus because we're calling on what Jesus paid for. We're calling on what Jesus died for. We're calling on what Jesus provided for us. And God has already said, yes, in Christ to every promise of God. He's only waiting for you to get a revelation and say amen to come into agreement with him for what he's provided. We need to let the finished work of Jesus settle it once and for all. God proved his goodness to all men by offering his son for his enemies. He paid the full debt of our sin and he met every legal demand that was against us. He redeemed us from the curse and he released us to the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to praise the Lord in this place. He redeemed us from the curse and he released to us his blessing in Jesus. 
not in us. He qualified us to be partakers of the divine nature. He qualified us to be partakers of his life and his glory and his goodness. He qualified us. You don't qualify yourself. You were disqualified. That's why Jesus had to come so that he could pay the price to qualify you for the goodness of God. I'm telling you, whatever you have need of right now, you should stand to your feet and just declare out of your mouth the goodness and the glory of God and say, I take it based on what Jesus did. I take it based on a free gift of righteousness that he's provided for me. I take it based on the blood. I take it based on the finished work of Jesus. I take it based on the forgiveness of God. I take it based on the mercy of God. I take it based on the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I receive it. Not in my name, in his name. In the name above every name. Hallelujah. I command every giant to fall in the name of Jesus. I command every enemy to flee right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We praise you, God, for your goodness. We praise you, God, for your goodness. Hallelujah. 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 You can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I tell you, I don't know, but I just want to, I just want to do this. There's going to be ministers up here when we close out the service that will agree with you to receive what God's already provided through Jesus, to help you come into a place of faith to where you can trust, believe, and receive what Jesus provided for you. But I just want to ask this. I just want everybody to close your eyes. I want to ask this. It's just the way I was led this morning. If that there's anybody here in this place that you've never made Jesus Lord, that you have never trusted in his sacrifice and confessed him as Lord of your life and came in a relationship with God through what he did for you, not promising for you to do all the right things, but to trust. I want to give you a chance to just raise your hand. If you do that, we will get with you. If there's anybody here, just by an upraised hand. Right there. We will get with you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? We will get with you. We'll lead you into receiving Jesus. Be the most glorious thing you've ever done in your life. Receive that free gift that he provided. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesse. <clears throat> Glory.